when talking about habits, habits of daily worship, they can only ever be truly a response to what I've just described. That you, you, now respond to what I've just said. Respond to your imputed, gifted righteousness. Now respond. Now respond. Now respond. Some of you, you're, you've been reading your Bible for as long as you can remember, and you've kind of lost track of why you do every day. Some of it might just be because it's a comforting action that you do every day, like brushing your teeth, and it makes you feel safer. I'm telling you, there's a deeper reason to study your scripture, and it's to experience the kingdom of God. It's so that every time you go to the Bible, you look for Waldo, I mean Jesus, and you see where he is, and then his spirit comes and starts to teach you about Jesus. My favorite way to read my Bible is not be care about the amount that I read. It's I read until the Spirit of God shows me more about Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees? He says, you read the Hebrew Bible for in it you think you have life, but it points to me. The point of your scripture is Jesus. The point of the Bible is Jesus. That is why in communist countries and underground churches to this day, you will give one page of the Bible. A believer will get one page, one random page, and everyone prays that you don't get Leviticus, you know, but like one random page. And you know what's amazing? I've had the privilege of meeting people who've come out of the underground church who lived for years with one page of the Bible and their knowledge of the person of Jesus, I'm taken aback. It's like, how? I have more Bibles than I've probably counted. I have more translations. Thank God for the Bible app now, right? Like it's, by the way, I, 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 I love that I can find every scripture everywhere and I never have to know the reference. Like my dad was the man like, dad, where is it? He'd have the address. He's like, that's Psalms 127 and verse three. And we'd all be like, you know, don't ask me. I'd be like, it's in Psalms. No, that's the book of Revelation. Never mind, it's Genesis. You know, like what, dad? You know, because of the Bible app. But nonetheless, we go to the scriptures to see Jesus. Our whole daily habits of worship, and I, I want to remind you they're sacred. And I want your habits to be acts of worship and that only. It's an act of worship. We go to his story to worship him, to be filled with him, to see his beauty and his majesty again. So here is, for the next 10 minutes, I want to talk to you about the sacred, holy habit of rest. Rest should be a part of your daily practice because rest is a response to what Jesus has done. Do you know how important rest is? An interesting study recently told us that we are 10% happier on Friday in the Western world. In the Western world, typically Friday, thank God it's Friday, it denotes that the next day will have margin or the day off. Think about it. Your brain gets 10% happier at the thought of soon coming margin because you were made that way. You were wired that way. Now, anyone will tell you in any health and wellness study of any kind, the number one most important thing for your physical body is sleep. Longevity, well-being, effectiveness, efficiency in thinking, brain, cognitive ability, talents, using all your skills, whether you're an NFL football player or you're a barista at Starbucks or a teacher for elementary school, wherever, sleep, is a key 
the number one key to your health. Now, God made it that way. I want you to think about the life cycle of a human being. God invented the fact that we have to shut down for six to 12 hours. Some of you are like, I wish it was six. Some of you are like, 12? Who are those people, okay? You know what's so weird? We live in a Western world culture where those who sleep less are celebrated. We're so, we're so weird. We're so super weird. We're all like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. And we're like, but I only sleep three hours a night. You know, I heard that Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, they all didn't sleep, so I'm not gonna sleep. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if any of us are gonna be Kobe Bryant, guys. I don't know. I think we should just sleep and let Kobe be Kobe, right? Like, I don't, I don't think, I think we're safe. I think you being the greatest basketball player of all time, I think that's probably not gonna happen. So you could probably sleep, you know? Like, I love where like, you know, Tom Brady only eats kale on his cheat day. And I'm like, eh, and I'm gonna eat bacon because I'm not Tom, you know? I'm 43, Tom's 45. I think, I think we get it, all right? I stopped playing uh, contact sports uh, in late 90s, you know? So I, I think we're good. You know, like, I don't, I don't think, like, we, we need sleep, but all of our heroes tell us, like, you can train yourself to not need sleep. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? You're not gonna believe this. Adam got his wife while he was sleeping. Boaz found his future wife, Ruth, when he was sleeping. Jacob saw a ladder when he was sleeping. Peter was released from prison when he was sleeping. Joseph didn't give up on the mother of God because God met him while he was sleeping, and Jesus made it through a storm while he was sleeping. God can do a lot while you're sleeping, but you keep telling yourself that God only works when you're awake. No, you only think God works when you're awake. The Bible says, he who neither slumbers nor sleeps watches over you when you go offline, when you shut down. Think about the life cycle. God invented, put into the hardware and the system of our cycle that every day includes We're the funniest people. I love planes, and I love watching people sleep on planes. It's the weirdest thing. I know, it's weird to admit that. I've never admitted that publicly before, but I am today. How, how weak are we? I love how strong we think we are. Just go on a plane and watch all of us fall asleep. It's the weirdest thing ever. I've seen people fall asleep drinking wine. I've seen people fall asleep while eating their little uh, vacuum-packed meal on a plane, which now costs money. I thought I paid for the trip. Anyway, um, so you want to eat? That'll be $24.99. But I paid $124.99 for the flight. Anyways, um, I've seen people, the weirdest positions people fall asleep in. I've seen people get out of their seat and kneel at their seat and lay their head in their seat. I've flown so many times, I've seen people do things that are just completely illegal just to sleep. You ever had like not, like not slept for like a whole day? I literally turn into one of Satan's helpers. Not Santa, I said Satan's helpers. I'm the worst version of a Christian, you've, let alone preacher. I mean, you get me a little bit of sleep and I'm like, I'm an atheist. I'll tell you that right now, right? Like, I mean, we, how fragile are we? Do you know even sleep in and of itself? I know when we talk about rest, we're talking much more than sleep. We're talking about margin, but even sleep can be a way to honor the great God who does not. 
Psalms 127 says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. I know it's so silly, but some of you, you, you're like, I wish I didn't have to sleep. I'm glad you do. How many have a friend who's like, he just needs some sleep? Some of you are like, I married him. You know, it's like, okay, we get it. You know, it's like, eh, just get some sleep. And so even sleep, be careful now, church, because we let the culture tell us what's important. But I'm here to tell you that the scripture emphasizes the importance of sleep and that even sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is say, I'm going to bed. I'm, I'm going to bed. I'm not going to stay up late, wringing my hands, thinking I'm the master and commander of my own life and destiny because I'm not. Jesus is in control. He gives you sweet sleep. Margin is such an amazing thing. Rest is such an amazing thing, but it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. If it was, a lot of us would do it better. But look at what Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter four. It says that we actually have to put some effort into. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's a, that's a really good one. And, and, and that's a great scripture as well. That's not the one I was referencing, but I really like that one because it says that when we rest, we imitate God because God rested. Why do you think God rested? God did not rest in the, in the creation account on the seventh day because he needed rest. He rested as an example because we need to rest. I hope you heard that. God rested in the Genesis account, not because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He rested for one reason, to show you that rest is sacred and it's important and you need to get it. I'm here to tell you that most of the pastors that you now know publicly, unfortunately, who've had moral failure, it was a rest problem. You hear me? It was a rest problem. It was a rest. It wasn't a moral problem. It was a rest problem. They got exhausted and fatigued, and so they made decisions never considering their family or the congregation they were a part of because they were tired. There are things right now in your life that you think you just need to work harder to overcome, and actually you need to work less hard, and you need to rest on the finished work of Jesus, and you need to take a nap. I'm actually really preaching the gospel right now. And somebody like, did he just say nap? Can he prove that in the Bible? Seriously, you need to take a rest. One of my favorite practices is building in margin. But one of the reasons it's somewhere in, in uh, oh, there it is, Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore strive. You ever seen this scripture? Strive to enter the rest. Strive. How, how counterproductive is this? Strive. I don't like the word strive there. I don't think it's a great translation, actually. But it means to make every effort to rest. Are you so moved by the finished work of Jesus that you have decided to put effort towards building in good rest for your life? Can I let you in on a little secret that's gonna be incredibly selfish, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. I would like to be the pastor of church home for at least another 20 years. Now the countdown's happening, it used to be 25, but it's been like seven or eight years since I said that. Chelsea did mention that my timeline's not following an accurate assessment of actual time, but we're at about 20 years left for me, okay, in this Jack Ramsey jacket. I am going to retire at some point, but I'd like to do it for two more decades. But guess what I couldn't do? I couldn't do eight sermons on a Sunday in seven different locations in this city and be a good pastor that you want me to be. I couldn't honor my wife and honor my kids 
because my entire life was airplanes and church programs and auditoriums. And that's not a life. That's not a life. And I hope it's okay to say that this church is not oriented around my schedule, but it's affected by my schedule. And so you're wondering like, why are you only here once a month? Can I let you in on a not so secret? It's because I also wanna be an honoring husband and a present father and a good friend and more importantly, a lover of Jesus. But sometimes you have to make effort to do that. And sometimes you gotta take risk to do that. And sometimes you gotta ignore emails from wonderful church members who are wondering why they give tithe. And do you still get a salary from this church because you never are here anymore? And you have to go, I, I, I do still get a salary and thank you. And, and I wanna say sorry, but then Chelsea's like, that's a disingenuous sorry because it's not a real sorry because you're not sorry. And it's true, I'm not sorry. You know what I'm sorry for? I'm sorry for six to seven years trying to preach eight times on a Sunday. I'm sorry for that. Cause that's not being a good steward. I am not the savior of this church, Jesus is. You, all of you are like, yeah, we know, bro. And I'm like, okay, yeah, perfect. I, don't, I probably don't need to say that. All right, that's pretty obvious. But, but sometimes you gotta make effort. And sometimes that effort to enter into rest isn't popular, particularly in today's world. Particularly in today's world. We live in such an interesting time that even when our athletes take a rest for our favorite team, we're like, oh, come on. How much money do they get? Be careful now. We ought to be the people on the planet, the recipients of righteousness through the finished work of Jesus. We ought to be the celebrators of people taking vacation and margin and break. One of my favorite criticisms from my pastor friends is, Judah, you're always on vacation. And I thought, I wish that was the case. I really do. But I'm going to take days off. I'm going to build in margin. And I want you to as well. And I know sometimes uh, the worship of rest feels like weakness in our culture, but I'm trying to, I could spend all day proving to you in scripture that it's not, but sometimes you have to make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, which again, there's Hebrews telling you that when we don't work hard to rest, we end up making decisions that are not congruent with who we are and who Jesus is. And we all think that we have an addiction. Oh, it's because it's I had an addiction. I had to, and it may be, but oftentimes it's just because you're weary and you're tired. I know this might sound strange, but I want to submit this to you. Some of you, the antidote even to some of the family drama you're experiencing, it may be because you need to institute the holy, sacred habit of rest. We're going to rest today, family. We're going to rest today, family. Chelsea's so much better at this, I gotta be honest with you. We have a Sabbath day. You don't have to call it a Sabbath day, but the reason we call it a Sabbath day is because it sounds so much more substantial. Day off, Sabbath day. But Chelsea has one rule for Sabbath day. No plans, and you get to do whatever you want within the context of the scriptures, okay? <laughs> but it's, it's a day to just enjoy yourself, no plans. Now, the challenge for me is I got to get off my phone. There is no such thing as rest if I have my phone on. That's my life now. My life, I'm an on-call person, by the way. That, that's what pastors are now. We're just on-call. 
Yesterday, I got picked up to do a shoot for about a three-hour shoot yesterday, and I got picked up, I think, at 11 a.m., and I, I listed off all the conversations I had, and I think I was at, like, 26 different people from when I woke up at 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. I had talked to 26 different people about really, really heavy, painful stuff. Don't, don't feel bad for me. Like, I love this life. I, I Please. Some of you are like, oh, we're so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, it was easier when I was a youth pastor. I will say that. Teenagers are very uncomplicated. It's you adults that are really complicated and send a lot of mean emails. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, so for me, it's turning off the phone, and maybe it will be for you. And lastly, I talked about daily rest. I want to talk about daily wonder just for a few moments. Daily wonder daily rest, and then daily wonder. Listen to this psalm. I think it's in Psalms 127, I believe it is. Guys, we can put it up on the screen. Oh, that's a, that's a really, really good one, too. Let's read this just for fun. It's vain that you... Oh, well, they took it off. Okay, Psalms 8 and verse 3. Check this out. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man? that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. I encourage you to read that in other translations. Some translations say, look how magnificent the galaxy and the stars are. Why do you care so much about me? There's so much wonder. Do you know the fastest bird in the world travels at 220 miles per hour in the air? Did you know that there's a bird that sleeps while traveling 25 miles an hour? Did you know that? There's a bird that literally just whoop, shoo. Literally, there's a bird that has cruise control. Do you know ostriches grow up to nine feet tall? Do you know a woodpecker can peck 20 times a second? You remember um, that term, you're the bomb? Do you know inside of your body that you have the potential energy equivalent of 30 hydrogen bombs? in your body right now. You literally are the bomb. No, you're the bombs. <laughs> There's a volcano on Mars right now that's three times the size of Mount Everest, right now. The planet Jupiter has a great red spot. Maybe you've heard about this, and it's a raging anti-cyclone. Don't ask what an anti-cyclone is. I have no idea. I just know it's a big red spot on Jupiter, and it's been going for 350 years, just swirling. It's massive. The known universe that we have right now is, that we can see, is millions of 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 millions miles wide. We're not talking about, we have, we're not, it's just, just the universe. I think I've mentioned, what, two or three animals, two planets, a couple of thoughts, the sun is spewing ridiculously scary, toxic radiation, but our planet's atmosphere is perfectly positioned and its, its atmosphere blocks it as if the loving hand of God is protecting this blue and green earth. Wonder? What happened to our wonder? We're upset that Whole Foods is out of our favorite product. And we forgot to mention that we have enough money to shop at Whole Foods. Isn't it weird how we've lost the wonder? Things aren't wonderful anymore. It seems like we've gone from high definition color to black and white, dreary gray, 
perspectives. And yet there's wonder all around. That's why in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, the most basic flower, the lily, you're anxious, but what you need is wonder. If you saw how wonderful the colors of the lily is, the most basic common flower seen everywhere in all different places of the world, my most basic flower is more colorful and it has more splendor than Solomon, the richest man who's ever lived. Jesus driving us to look at flowers and birds and David saying the galaxy and the universe. And I'm like, David, you don't even have a telescope, bro. Wait till we get those. You don't even know what the stars are doing up there, but but we do, why have we lost the wonder? What, what happened to us? And it's the dehumanization of sin and selfishness, self-absorption, focus on ourselves, our own destiny, our own purpose, our own plan, our own career, our own success. And we forget that we are interconnected beings who are completely fragile, living on the most fragile, outrageous, little itty bitty planet in this massive, unspeakable universe that we call space. And that God who breathes stars and clothes flowers, God chose the colors of the coral. God created the Leviathan, the dragon-like beast in the deeps and the depths of the ocean for his own enjoyment. Who is this God full of wonder? Look around. But you know what's amazing? Because we don't practice daily rest, we rarely practice daily wonder. Jewish rabbis to this day still tell a story that when Moses saw the burning bush, it's not that he was standing by the bush and it started to burn, but amongst the Jewish people, it is believed that the burning bush was already burning. Moses just slowed down enough to see it. There's another Jewish tradition that is shared amongst the Jewish people, and that is that there were two men walking through the Red Sea in God's miraculous hand with walls of water on both sides. And these two Jewish men in this Jewish traditional story says they were complaining about the mud between their toes. While the walls of the Red Sea and God's profound provision is shouting at them all around. They're frustrated with the mud. I think we're so focused on the mud, we can't see the miracle anymore. You're a miracle. I know we tell people they're awesome all the time and preachers like me are like, to, to be honest, only God is awesome. All right, all right, then let's let go of awesome. Here's what I know I can call you a miracle. Here's what I know you are. Your body is full of wonder, you hydrogen bomb. You're wonderful. Remember what the psalmist says? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knew me before I was knit together in my mother's womb. See, the reason 
bigotry and racism and the berating or belittling of human beings towards other human beings is so anti-gospel is because we believe that God has made every human being exactly the way he intended and they are beautiful and wonderful and miraculous. But we've lost that over the thousands of years of living here on this planet and we forgot, God forbid, that we would belittle a miracle of God. Wow. People say, we need to give each other dignity. Oh no, my brothers and sisters, God already did that. Man and woman, red, yellow, black, brown, and white, they are all wonderful and miraculous in His sight. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has the dignity ascribed to them from the designer. And you know what? You were placed in linear time and space right where you were supposed to. And I, I know I say this a lot, but I want to remind everyone watching and everyone in this room, you were made for this. You hear me? You were made for this. Do you hear me? You were made to be the dad of those kids. You hear me? You were made to be the grandmother of those grandchildren. You hear me? You were made for this. You were made to be married to her or him. You were made for this. You were made for this life. You were made for 2021. Don't think it's strange. Others weren't made for 2021, but we were. That's why we're still here. How is that in and of itself not wonderful? You are full of wonder. The earth is full of wonder. The stars are full of wonder. The galaxies are full of wonder. Your organs are full of wonder. Your eyesight is wonderful. Your kinesthetic, your ability to move. We're the only mammals with thumbs so that we can do that. My thumb is wonderful. Take my thumb away and we lose a lot of our distinction as human beings. Just think about that. It's our thumb that creates the tension that we can do what we do. Take your thumb, I mean, just your thumb. I declare a thumb war. I mean, this is, your thumb is wonderful. I'm not even joking. We're like, ah, oh, man, I really struggle with worship. Worship's hard for me sometimes. I get really discouraged. Then you'll stare at your thumb. And then just be like, Start here. God, thank you for my thumb. Thank you for my thumb. It's crazy. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? What happened to, isn't it amazing? And that's why I think the future of the church is going to be billions of people on the planet collectively waking up going, thank you. Wonderful God. It's gonna to begin to change the world as we practice these sacred holy habits. So see, every day I wanna practice daily rest. Every day I wanna practice daily wonder. One of my favorite statements to use with my friends is, we're so blessed. We're so blessed 
because blessed infers I didn't earn it, deserve it, and warrant it. It's been given to me. Look at my thumb. I'm so blessed. Look at my wife. I know I am blessed. Like this is, you're like, how did you pull that off? Honestly, preaching, it, it worked a miracle. At least I, I acquired one thing through preaching. She was blown away. Actually, she couldn't care less about my preaching. But anyways, I was trying to tell you something that's not true. It was my body. But the point is, like Judah, we're not doing this right now, bro. It's 10 a.m. We don't want to hear about your sex life. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. It's all wonderful, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's amazing what wonder has warranted out of my life. Wonder just drives away the presumption, the arrogance, the self-sufficiency, and the self-centeredness. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, this life is full of wonder. Oh, there's no doubt this life is full of pain. And the man who wrote that psalm we just talked about, David, make no mistake about it, he knew pain. But he also knew that this life was short and it's a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. This isn't home. But even while we're here, there's so much wonder that can captivate our hearts and our life. What do you want your children to do when they grow up? Do you want them to be willpower, self-focused doers, motivators who don't sleep much, who are really successful? I don't think I do. You know what I want? I want my kids to prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. I want my kids to have buoyant souls. And you know, whatever they do with their thumbs and their hands, I pray they do is under the Lord. But I used to be so caught up with what kind of career will my kids have? And I'll be there for them and I'm gonna help them get a good job. But the older I get, the more I realize no matter what you do for a job, the goal of life is not to have more toys. The goal of life is to be full of the wonder and majesty of the designer and the creator, which gives you a righteousness, peace, and joy that nobody can take away. <laughs> so come what may, we're gonna practice daily rest and daily wonder. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for the minutes and moments we share here today. It's so cool. And I know that's such a light word, but it's just so cool to walk with you. It's such an honor to walk with you. It's such a privilege to walk with you. Oh, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. You're in this room. You're upon our lives. You're in our hearts and you're in our minds. Your spirit form is here right now. The kingdom of God is in the realm of the Holy Spirit with righteousness, peace, and joy. Right now, God, in this room, in all rooms watching, I thank you the realm of the Holy Spirit is here. You said the kingdom of God is near. 
you told us to focus on the kingdom of God. You're here. And what you produce in us is a position of righteousness, peace, and joy that help us to respond every day to that true reality. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I just declare that over church home all over the world. This church is where the King reigns. And he reigns with righteousness, peace, and joy over our homes, over our children, over our past, over our present, and over our future. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that. If you're here today, you're watching or you're in this auditorium and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, I'm gonna invite you to respond. I hope you heard what I said. I want to invite you to respond. Respond, that's it. Which is to say, receive. Receive the gift of righteousness. Receive the gift of forgiveness. Receive the gift of acceptance. Receive the gift of relationship with God forever and ever without end. I got good news today, church home. I got good news today, wherever you are watching this. I got good news today. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to try harder or do better. Jesus already did it. You just receive. And that receptivity and that responding will begin to change your life day by day, minute by minute. And in the spirit realm, the presence of God is going to abide in and upon and around you, and your life will never be the same. If you want to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand all over this auditorium and all over the world watching right now. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Say, that's me. God, you see these hands, and more importantly, you see these hearts, and whom the Son sets free is totally and completely free. We thank you for total forgiveness. We thank you for total freedom. We thank you for total liberation. We thank you for total covering and total acceptance, total righteousness. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.